0: The following sermon is from Christ Church, Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening. A new friend of ours, uh, Cody Bren, who is a church planter and pastor and preacher and coordinator for church planting in his region, is here for the conference and stayed through the weekend from uh, Red Rock, Arizona. And he's going to be bringing the word today. That's I'm so excited about. Um, you've never heard of Red Rock. It's not Red Rocks. There's no S. It's Red Rock, and it is a little tiny uh, community right smack dab off of I-10 between Tucson and Phoenix. And if you're trying to think, what's that like? Imagine Palm Coast in 1989. That's Red Rock, okay? They just got a Dollar General, and they're very excited about that. But somebody's got to go to Red Rock, and Cody and Jess said yes. So praise God for that. Amen? Well, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad that I get to be here with you. Uh, my wife Jessica and I are here for the church planting conference Exponential, and we have been here since last Monday. And we've been here without our three daughters, and that's maybe what I'm most excited about. So we miss our kids desperately, of course. But like, it's, it's this is the longest we've ever gone without our kids, and it's like, oh, I remember you. Like, you know, <laughs> you know that feeling, like. I remember you. You're the person I married. That's right. But um, yeah, we planted a church in Red Rock, Arizona, middle of nowhere from Sacramento, California. Uh, both of us grew up in North Dakota, so we understood the small town kind of rural living life. And so uh, Red Rock wasn't a huge change. It was kind of like going home for us a little bit. Um, uh, we, we just crossed seven years as a church last Sunday. And so praise God for that. He's so good. Um, just real quick, we meet out of a school there. There's a school, there's a fire station, and now there's a Dollar General and us. And that's, that's all there is there, but we've got to have some incredible impact there. Um, uh, you know, we've been really involved with the school, and the school, uh, a public school, they asked us to meet in their school right. before we ever launched or anything, which was amazing. Uh, since then, uh, I've had the opportunity to lead the district superintendent and his wife to Jesus and baptize them. <laughs> And um, God has done miracles, uh, literally, literal amazing miracles in both of their lives. And um, so we've gotten to have great impact in that community in a way that most churches just don't have access to, you know? And so we're so grateful, even though it's a small place, God is doing big things. And so uh, we're so grateful that we get to just be a part of it. Uh, you know, Arizona and Florida are very similar states, I think. Um, you know, we have very similar politics, I think. You know, uh, summers are both kind of rough uh, for you guys and for us. Nobody likes to be in Arizona in the summer. Um, uh, we have a lot of snowbirds. You guys have a lot of snowbirds. I When we uh, got here, somebody told us that 7 million people a day visit uh, this area. That's crazy. That's that's wild. Seven million people never will visit Red Rock in its existence. There will never be, you know, uh, seven million people that go in and out of Red Rock. But, you know, um, also you guys have these amazing theme parks, of course, right? And we don't do daylight savings time. So it's the same. It's the same excitement for us this time of year that you guys get going to Disney World. We don't have to, we don't have to get up earlier. It's, so it's pretty great. although I'm missing out on that here, so it's a sacrifice, and I hope you appreciate that that we, uh, we're experiencing that with you. But again, we're just so grateful. Um, you know, again, 2015, we planted a church, and planting a church means set up and tear down for us. We meet out of a school, and we love that uh, partnership, like I said.) Um, you know, in, in, in the end of 2019, um, I was going to, to set, uh, to, to tear down the church, and we used these big walls for decoration. We, they were foldable walls that we built out of two by fours. They were pretty heavy. And uh, folded one up, and I went to, to set it down, and I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, uh, Cody, you need to ask for help with this one. And I looked around, and I said, no, I'm fine. I'm good. And I went to set it down, and I felt a pop in my back, and um, and that uh, resulted in uh, eight months of incredible pain, two back surgeries, an addiction to opioids, and um, all kinds of nonsense in my life. Um, and so, COVID was kind of a blur. For me, I was, I was more focused on surviving uh, that pain and not sleeping. I would sleep like an hour or two at most a night. That was a good night, uh, just because I could not sleep. Couldn't sit in a chair, couldn't lay in a bed, had to just lay on a hard floor with my feet propped up on a chair or something. And, and that year I got, had a lot of physical, emotional, and spiritual hardship. A lot of pain in all of those areas. Confusion, God, why me? I'm here serving you for crying out loud. What in the world? I was prayed over probably a hundred times, you know? And I'd prayed over many people and I'd seen some miracles happen right in front of me, right? And it was kind of one of those like, you you forgotten about me, God? Like, have you forgotten me? Sometimes it feels like that, huh? Sometimes it feels like that. All the while, what I was... uh, in that state, you know, I'd spend a lot of nights in one of our guest rooms and there was a, there was a poster on the wall that said, I will give you rest. Uh, quoting Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, and you know, I never really thought about that, <laughs> you know, that invitation from him for rest in that moment. I never really considered that he was inviting me in in that place. I was too busy focused on myself and wallowing in my own hurt and pain and, and just trying to survive, you know. But I want to ask you just a question this morning before we move forward. What weariness, what burdens, what pain have you brought with you today? And I want to invite you that it's okay to face it for a second. We spend a lot of time trying not to look at that stuff, trying to avoid the mirror, trying to... We we look at our phones until the moment we can't stay awake any longer, so we aren't alone with our thoughts. We play the radio up while we drive, so we aren't alone with ourselves. You with me? I would just want to give you permission to face it for a second, okay? Jesus is asking us to face it for a second. What's burdening us? Because there's some good news. One of the most powerful promises in scripture found in Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. And I'm gonna read it and it'll be up on the screen. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is Jesus talking about his heart. It's really the only place that we can find in scripture where Jesus is revealing his heart himself. He's talking about his heart. This isn't somebody else talking about who he is, right? Scripture is filled with that. Thank goodness, right? I love those passages about who he is, but this is Jesus revealing the very depths of his heart. And what does he reveal to us? that he's gentle and that he is humble. I don't know that most of us, myself included, if we were asked to describe Jesus, would we use those two words? I I think of much grander words than gentle and humble. Savior of the universe, right? The Messiah, right? The one who saved me from everything. The hope in a world that is hopeless, right? He is all things that are good. He is the answer to every brokenness, right? But I don't know that the words gentle and humble would necessarily come to the top of my list if I were to describe him, but he describes himself that way. That's the savior that we serve. That is our Jesus, gentle and humble. But in order to experience this gentle and humble Jesus, there are some conditions that have to be met. And the first thing that we see is that we have to go to him. We have to go to him. In church, this doesn't mean that we have to hunt for Jesus. He's not hiding from us, right? He's not keeping himself at a distance, right? He's easy to find. He is easy to find, but we have to go to him. That gentle heart that he has means that he doesn't force himself on us. But he beckons us to him constantly. Please, please come to me. Please come to me. And just because Jesus describes himself as gentle and humble does not mean that everyone in this world will get to experience the gentle and humble Jesus. But every single person in this world will experience Jesus at some point. We know we'll all stand before him. Every single person will. And he's gonna say one of two things to us. We know those words. Well done, or depart from me. And one of those is that gentle and humble Jesus. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. And I promise you, it breaks his heart gentle and humble heart to have to say the other thing. But not all of us get to experience the gentle and humble Jesus. And just a few verses before in this passage, Jesus is speaking about these two cities. He's saying, woe to you. You got to meet the Messiah, you experienced the gentle and humble Jesus. You saw the miracles in front of your face. You heard about that the kingdom is at hand. you've heard the call to repentance in your lives." But they said, "No thanks." And so Jesus' heart breaks, and he says, "Woe to you. I was there you I beckoned you and you said no and his heart breaks the gentle and humble heart of Jesus and church I want to just want us to understand in just a second that believing in Jesus that he exists isn't enough is it It's not enough just to acknowledge that he exists. Even encountering Jesus in a powerful way, maybe in a worship service like this morning, right? Encountering him by ourselves even, hearing a song on the radio at just the right time that speak to us, right? Even those moments, that is not enough. That doesn't equate relationship. That doesn't equate to salvation. That just means we got to experience a taste of the Savior, knowing facts about him, memorizing scripture. That doesn't do it either, church. That doesn't do it either. Even accepting that he loves you, singing that song, Jesus Loves Me, right? Understanding the truth isn't enough. We have to go to him. We have to go to him, church. Church. I, I've known several people who've experienced legitimate, incredible miracles in their lives. Cancer, literal cancer healed, like to where doctors are like, what just happened? This chart had, had tumors all over it the last time I looked at it. I don't know what to, ex- to experience, right? I don't know what to, how to explain this away. And that didn't affect their faith at all. They were thankful. They had an encounter with Jesus, but it didn't turn into them going to him. We have to go to him, church. We have to accept that outstretched hand of Jesus. We have to take hold of it. It's always there. It's always waiting, right? He's always calling us to him. Please, please come to me. But we have to take hold of that hand. And I'm gonna tell you, I spent decades of my life, and I'm 37, so decades is a long time in my life, But I spent decades of my life wallowing in self-hatred in addiction and thinking that I was not good enough to take hold of that hand, and that I had to somehow get myself good enough before I could take hold of that hand. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe many of you know what I'm talking about, that feeling of I have to get myself right enough to be able to be in his presence. You know, and I, I pictured myself in the bottom of this pit kind of sitting in my own filth and brokenness and darkness, which only made me hate myself even more. And I just kind of pictured Jesus at the top of that pit, kind of looking over the edge, going like, hey, anytime you're ready, I'm up here, but I ain't going in there. So like... Whenever you're ready to get out of there, like I'm right here, but I got these pristine white robes on and I don't want to, it smells down there, you know, like I don't want anything to do with that. But here is the reality, church, and here is the reality that was for me and for you as well. Jesus is already in that pit with you. He has shuffled himself down in that filth and brokenness and he's grabbed your face, looked you in the eyes and said, I'm already here. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of you. This doesn't disgust me. Why? Because I love you. Because I love you. And I have already overcome all these things. I've already fought for you to be free of these things. So I am here right now, face to face with you, saying, hand it to me. He's already here, church. We don't have to go find him, do we? We don't have to climb out of the hole to go looking for him. He's already here. You know, I didn't ask for help with that wall when I was setting up for church. And I felt that pop in my back, and I'll say that shortly after that, I started feeling like a, you know, a, uh, like I had a bruised hip, like I kinda bumped into something. And it bothered me a little bit, and then pretty soon, like I was waking up earlier and earlier Um, in the morning because, like, man, my hip is just killing me. And all of a sudden, it radiated down into my calf, and I felt this real sharp pain in the edge of my calf, and it grew and grew and grew and grew until it felt like somebody was doing, like, open surgery on my calf. And and at that point, you know, like, even, even with all those symptoms, I still didn't go to the doctor yet. You guys can relate. Men, you can relate to that more, right? Like... I, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'll be fine. I'll be fine, I'll, just, I'll, do, I'll get through it, it'll go away. It's always gone away before, right? Other things have gone away, so it's probably gonna happen again. That did not happen for me, it did not go away. Okay. Uh, but I waited until it was unbearable to go see the doctor for the first time, and then I had to wait another like six months before I could fi- get a surgery that would actually do something for me. I waited way, way, way too long. And if I would have just gone, well, one, if I would have just listened to the Holy Spirit in the first place, right? But I didn't because I was stubborn, right? And that stubbornness didn't stop and it it kept pushing me, kept pushing, I kept just clinging to the stubbornness thinking it's all going to be fine. But a result of my stubbornness and thinking that I don't need help resulted in the worst pain of my life, resulted in deep depression, opioid addiction. I was taking 15 oxycodone pills a day uh, and it wasn't touching it at the end. Um, I was taking uh, you know, muscle relaxers. I was taking nerve blockers. I mean, you name it, the strongest stuff they could give me, I was taking it, and it still wasn't doing anything for me towards the end. And then two surgeries. The first one uh, didn't work, but then I re-herniated the disc while I was healing something that the surgeon said he'd never seen happen before that way. So I got to have emergency surgery a second time. And an insane amount of money later, and my wife having to be a single mom for eight months with three kids, (laughs) realizing it didn't just affect me. It affected everybody around me, the people I loved. And I didn't want to be a bother. I don't wanna bother anybody, I'll be fine, right? Those lies, right? Well, that belief and that sticking to that, that thinking of I don't wanna be a bother just made me a burden. And my wife would have never said that and still I don't know what would say that out loud, but it's true, I was a burden. Avoiding it won't make it go away. Amen. It's not gonna make it go away, friends. So I ask, are you avoiding God today? What are you avoiding God about this morning? I promise he's not avoiding you. He's not, do not listen to that lie that somehow God's just silent in my life and he doesn't want things for me and I guess I'll just wait it out. Nope. What are you avoiding him about? Start there. Face yourself. We have to go to him. We have to go to him. We have to face what we're avoiding and we have to go to him. But there's more to it than that. There's more to it than just standing in the presence of our Savior. We have to hand it over, don't we? then we have to hand it over. We have to willingly choose to hand it over. And one of the most incredible things about this exchange of our burdens, our weariness, our brokenness, our sin, our fear, whatever it is that you're dealing with today, our pain, right? That exchange of our burdens for his rest is that our burdens, this is amazing, guys, our burdens don't burden Jesus, do they? Do you know what our burdens are to Jesus when he takes them from us? They are joy. It gives our Savior great joy to take those burdens from us. I don't want to deprive my Savior of joy, do you? When we think about it like that, it changes things, doesn't it? Jesus, I don't want to deprive you of joy. Hebrews twelve two says it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. You are one of those pieces of joy for him. Don't don't take that away from your savior. He died to give that to you. Don't take it away from him, church. Don't take that joy away from him. But Jesus will not pry those things out of our hands. He's offering constantly, here I am, this is not a burden. I want to take this from you. It gives me great joy and pleasure to be able to do this for you. Here's my hands. They're wide open to you, but he's not gonna rip what we're holding onto out of our hands. We have to willingly, if, we have to willingly let go so we can take hold of him. Sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking that whatever it is we're holding on to—that pain, that suffering, those those false identity pieces of "I'm not good enough," you know, "I'm just always going to be this way," and I just have to live this way for the rest of my life—and that's okay, you know—I'll get through it; it's fine. Like, you know, all those things, all that weariness that we carry and that we just own in our lives, it becomes such identity that it becomes comfortable to us, and that's pretty scary. And we end up in a place where we would rather live in our brokenness because that's what we know. And anything else is just terrifying. I don't know who I'm gonna be, Jesus. I don't know who I'm gonna be on the other side of this pain. I know that you say you're good and I know that you say you want this from me. But I don't know who I'm going to be without this. This has shaped my life in such a way that everything about who I am is wrapped up in my burdens, in my brokenness, in my fears, in my addictions, in my self-hatred. I don't know who I'm going to be on the other side of that. Please, Jesus, is there another way? Is there another way? Can you just look at me and just give me some some grace to say, okay, it's okay that you stay in your brokenness. Church, I'm telling you, it's not Okay. That's not okay. He's drawing us out and he's not gonna let you go. He's not gonna let you off the hook, right? You don't somehow have a different agreement with Jesus than the rest of us. That's a lie that we think. That's a lie that we believe. That somehow it's different for me. It's not. We have to go to him. We have to willingly let go. Are you willing, church? Only you can answer that. Are you willing or not? Because if you are, that's the only way we're gonna find rest. Rest sounds pretty good, doesn't it? To finally be able to rest and not fight and not avoid, but to just rest. Man, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And we don't don't get one promise of rest in this passage. We get two back to back. I will give you rest. You will find rest. We will. Not you might. Not I can try, right? I will give you rest. You will find rest. And I know that that rest is what some of you in this room today have been longing for. For a long time. You've been waiting a long time for some rest. You're tired of carrying it. Church, today is the day. Today is the day. That's good news, isn't it? That's good news. You know, trauma is a buzzword in our culture today, and some of us, because it's a buzzword, like to like separate ourselves from that as much as possible, right? And we don't like to compare ourselves, you know. um, I've spoken with counselors and they say, the one constant in every person that I see is that they all say the same thing. Well, other people have it worse than me. No matter how bad the story is, they all say the same thing. So other people have it worse than me, right? and we don't like to compare ourselves to like soldiers or something that you know have legitimately seen horrors in this world that none of us could imagine right ptsd that kind of a thing but let me tell you how many of you have experienced some sort of trauma traumatic event in your life have you been through a traumatic event of some sort any sort right the birth of my kids that's a traumatic event <laughs> you know like and literally, there was complications and stuff, but still, it, all around, it was trauma, right? It was scary, it was terrifying, I did not know what to do, right? So out of control in those moments, right? But here's the reality. Church, the trauma that you've experienced in your life, it may not have been your fault, okay? It may not have been your fault, but it's your responsibility to deal with. It's your responsibility to hand that over to Jesus, Jesus is desperate to free you from those things. He's desperate to do it for you. But we have to let him. It may not have been your fault, but it's your responsibility to go to Jesus and hand it over willingly. Do you want to deprive your savior of joy? No, I know you don't. So you have a choice today. Are you going to hand it over or not? but today we're gonna make a trade. We're gonna give that opportunity in just a few moments for you to make that trade if you're willing. Our sin for forgiveness, our life for salvation, our emptiness for the filling of his spirit, our weariness and burdens for rest. Sounds pretty good, amen? Let's make that trade. Let's make it together, okay? I'm gonna sing a song. Pastor Jesse's gonna come forward, but I wanna pray before we do that. Would you bow your heads and let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the promise of rest, that it's not just possible, but it's a promise. We thank you so much, Jesus, that you are calling to us. You have never let go. You've never given up on us. And maybe some of us, we've gotten really good at blocking your voice out because you've been saying the same thing over and over to us for so long. But Jesus, we ask that that voice would be made fresh in this moment, that walls would come tumbling down, that we would unstop our ears and we would be willing to listen to that, that beckoning one more time as you draw us to you saying, come to me and I will give you rest. Thank you, Jesus.